Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Podcast. Let's get into this week's message from Pastor Michael Tadlock, and may it bring healing, hope, and ultimately, transformation. Stand with me, grab your Bibles. We're going to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6. Jeremiah 6. going to read two verses here. I'll tell you what. Yeah, let's read two verses here. We may read a little more. Verse 16, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where is the good way. And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. And also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Let's go a little further. Therefore hear ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. To what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba, and the sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. The latter part, I'm not going to get to preach on too much today, but he's saying why, basically this is what he's saying, why exactly are you worshiping? Why exactly are you worshiping? For what purpose are you bringing incense unto me? For what purpose are you bringing sweet cane unto me? He says this, that your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, they're not acceptable. How many of you never want to be in that place that it's not acceptable to the Lord? What you're offering to Him is not acceptable. I want you to back up with me, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Look at that part of the verse that says, ask for the old paths. There's another translation of that in Jeremiah 6, 6, verse 16 says this. This is the New Living Translation. That this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, no. That's not the road we want. When I think of an old path, there's another translation that calls it the ancient way. I can't help but think about a dirt road. In my mind, almost a two-trail road. But nonetheless, a dirt road. And so today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to come to you on this thought, dirt road revival. Dirt road revival. Revival. Let's ask the Lord to come help us. Jesus, thank you for what you've already done in this place. 
Lord, I stand behind this sacred desk that you blessed me, God, to be able to pastor this congregation and to bring the word from. And Lord, today, if I've ever needed you to take over me, my vessel, if I've ever needed you to take charge, God, of my thoughts and my words, it is now. So I ask you, Almighty God, to have your way and to fill my mouth with what you'd have to be spoken. And I pray, God, for every person in this place that their ears will be attentive and their hearts will be open. I rebuke distractions. I rebuke hindrances in the name of Jesus. God, I ask you to clear the lobby of folks. Lord, let this room be filled with people that have expectation and hunger because we desire you. We need revival in our lives. Help us to see today where that will come from and how you want to do it and what the results will be. Just pray, Lord, that you show up right now, that you move right now, that you let your glory fill this place right now. And, Lord, we'll give you praise and glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. As you're seated, turn and tell about two or three people, you need revival. You need revival. Come on, tell somebody, you need revival. Hallelujah. Look back at them and say, speak for yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. I get small bottles of water. They're trying to tell me something. Preach short. Actually, they gave me two, so I guess that makes this almost one big one. Amen. Today, I believe that we as a congregation, as a church, us as part of the bride of Christ, don't believe the need has ever been any greater for true revival in the hearts of men and women, young men and young ladies, the hearts of God's people. I don't believe the need's ever been any greater than right now. Reality today is that we're living in a complicated, confused, and even frustrated hour. A day that has many folks lost and bound, has many folks living in a a state of bondage, and and many of them don't don't know what to do. And oftentimes, I'm, I'm even talking about folks that are in the church. See, today when we start talking about revival, we're not talking about a a series of meetings, and some would say, Pastor, when are we going to have a camp meeting or revival? That's a really good question because I'm telling you, I've been praying about it for a while, and the Lord has not yet shown me how and when and who, and when he does, you'll be the first to know, and we're going to do it. I, I grew out, I, I say I grew out, I'm, I, I've came to the place that I don't want to have a camp meeting just to have a camp meeting so we can say that we have a camp meeting, and when we come out of the camp meeting, nothing's changed. I want, I want a move of God that when, when he shows up, every last one of us are changed by the power of God. And I don't know that we're quite ready yet for that around here as far as the camp meeting. We're getting close, and I believe in the time and the hour the Lord chooses, we'll have that. But I say, why has it got to be a camp meeting? Why can't it start today? Why can't it start right now? Amen. And I know they're starting basketball practices every night of the week except Wednesdays. We'll find another place. That's why we need that tabernacle out there on the hill, amen? But we'll find somebody else's pole barn in the the meantime to have camp meeting if we need to. Can I get an amen? 
See, we talk, when we start talking about revival, there's a lot of things that comes into people's minds because it's a word that has been used so much through the years that it almost has lost its meaning. It's almost has lost its impact. But when we start today talking about revival and especially a dirt road revival, we're talking about that simple old path that leads us to a place of bountiful bountiful and beautiful, blessed experience and relationship with the Lord and overflow in the presence of God. See, when I, I start thinking about a dirt road period, I, some of my first memories of a dirt road was as a boy, my mom and dad. My dad was stationed in Hines, or Fort Stewart, Georgia, there at Hinesville, not too far from Savannah. And I, so I'd, I'd been, I was born in Texas. We lived like in, I think, North Alabama for a short stint. And then we, we moved to Germany. And then when we came home from Germany, we were in Georgia. And I may have, I'm sure I was on a dirt road before this first memory. But one of my first memories was coming home to Granny's and going down that dirt road there at our Granny's and smelling the, the cow pasture. All that manure that had been so neatly spread through that cow pasture. Some of you just had that smell in your mind right there, didn't you? And I, we'd, I learned the song, uh, Shoo-Wee. Any of you know the song I'm talking about today? And we'd ride down, down the dirt road in the back of the truck. And I remember going to the creek with with my cousins and my uncles, and that's some of my first memories of a dirt road. And I, I can remember, even after that, some scary memories of riding back when our cousin Debbie used to live off of Highway 177 back in there. I can't remember the name of the road now, but a lot of oak trees stretched over the dirt road, and it for a little old five-year-old, it was scary. I remember going down that road and, and being a little scared. I'd never seen anything like that before. And then at the very end where they lived, we had to go across this wooden bridge. I'd never remember going across a wooden bridge in all my life. I, there was one on Granny's Road, but I didn't remember that one. Scared me to death. And then as I as I got older, we lived in Bonifay there on, uh, on the highway. And so wasn't on dirt roads too. Too much until I met my sweetie. And when I met her, oh man, I had it down. I could, it took me 16 minutes from my mom, from my house there in Bonifay to get to her house. I had it timed just right. I can remember, this is not good, but I can remember coming home and, and, and making the turn from 90 on the Banfield on that little Ford Ranger doing 45, trying to get home before it was too late. Woo! And there I went right on the Banfield Avenue and would get home before the car. I'm, I'm confessing it now, Mom, so I can't get in trouble. I'm almost 48 years old. But anyway, but I, she learns a lot about things from the pulpit. But I remember going down them dirt roads, going to see my sweetie and, 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 and my truck. I had a black Ford Ranger, and, and I'd have it washed and clean, and, but I'd go see her, and man, when it would rain, it would get nasty and dirty, but I would just wash it again, because I 
I love to go see my sweet thing. I remember standing out there, 16 years old, out there on the little two-rut thing driveway they had that went to their house, and we'd be out there. I'd be trying my best to get a little sugar off of her, and her dad would be standing in there flipping the porch light off and on, off and on. Oh, it's time to come inside. You know, sometimes I'd outstay my welcome a little bit, and he'd look at my mother-in-law, and he'd say, honey, let's go to bed so this young man can go home, just so I'd leave. But I, I was just in love, and man, I remember them dirt roads, riding them dirt roads to see her, riding it on the four-wheeler. We'd go off mudding and all kinds of places, having a great time. That's some of my early memories of the dirt road. For most of my adult life, we have lived on a dirt road. We've, we've, uh, we've lived a few times or, uh, in some other locations, but for the most part, we live right where we're at for most of our married life, and, and, and it's been on a dirt road. And, and, and I've had this conversation with some recently because, you know, we supposedly, allegedly, uh, our, our dirt road was supposed to have gotten paved once upon a time. Whatever happened to that FEMA money, I don't know. But I know our, our road has not been paved. It's still a dirt road. Sometimes I get sick and tired of the tater ridges. How many of you know what I'm talking about? In the heat of the summer when it's not rain, that clay dirt road looks like the beach. It turns to sand. And, and you'll be going, I mean, you better not have anything in your hand or you better know how to control it. It's hard. When it rains, it, it's nasty. The mud everywhere. Uh, I invested in us a, a car wash subscription experience sponsorship. I don't remember the name of it. It's something or another. But we had a monthly thing where with that thing we got Shelby. Remember that we could go through the car wash and knock some of that mud. I, it don't do as good as a regular brush and, and rag. But we would thank God it takes some mud off. And I can tell you there's been times I've thought, man, I wish this road was paved. But I want you to know that the experiences that I've had on that dirt road far outweigh any trouble that I've ever had as far as washing a vehicle. I love where we live. I love our home. I love that we're back there off of a dirt road. I love it. But more than anything, I can tear out on that dirt road in the morning and most of the time it's me and my two dogs and the cows in the pasture. Occasionally the cow I got to get off this because I got a lot to cover but you got to hear it. The cows in the pasture, they shift pastures on them and sometimes it's a new herd of cows and sometimes they hadn't seen me walking the dirt road and I don't know, they get spooked and think I'm some kind of demon walking down the road or something. Them, them old heifer cows will come over there and they'll just start, you know, they'll get all up upset and aggravated. I just keep on walking. A lot of times I'll just say good morning. It's just me and the Holy Ghost out there. It's been on that dirt road that God has shown me incredible things. It's been on that dirt road He's brought revelation. It's been on that dirt road He has transformed my life. It's been on that dirt road in prayer that He has brought a restoration to my soul. And He showed me 
by all of my experiences that that dirt road in so many ways represents what Jeremiah is talking about, the old godly simple path of living and serving the Lord in holiness and godly fear and with true joy and true peace. I want to tell you something that the Jesus said this, that straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads unto everlasting life, but broad, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads unto destruction. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. I believe it is a highway of holiness according to Scripture, but I don't believe it's an eight-lane highway that is paved and easy traveling and easy living if we're going to be who God wants us to be and we're going to make it to our ultimate destination. The church is guilty today of preaching a greasy grace and a sloppy agape where folks think they can live however however they want to live and do whatever they want to do and still make heaven their eternal home. But I've come today on this first Sunday of September to declare to you today that God is looking for a people that will ask for the old paths and walk in that way. He wants to bring a dirt road revival unto your life. He wants to move inside of you like you've never known and like you've never experienced before. You see, the Lord is calling us back today to the landmarks of our faith. The simple, narrow, old path, the godly way of serving God with reverence and a godly fear. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28, to remove not the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. I believe today that the boundaries in so many denominations and churches have have become blurred. The, The water has become muddy. Pastors have become more concerned about drawing crowds than they are reaching souls. Pastors are more concerned about nickels and and noses than they are transformed lives. The problem is in so many ranks that pastors are competitive. I know I'm getting no amens on that, but that's all right. Pastors have become competitive and jealous over their people and what they're doing and competing with the church down the road. But let me tell you something today. The only one that we're competing with is Satan himself. He's the one that is after souls and after lives, and God is trying to raise up some people that aren't afraid and not scared and not, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. And not ashamed to bear the name of Christ and to wave high the banner of Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you believe today that Jesus is still the way and the truth and the life? If you do, shout amen. Thomas said unto the Lord in John 14 and 5, we know not where you're going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Help me, Lord. You see, in Jeremiah 6 and verse 16, it shows us, he said, ask for the old path, the good way, and walk therein, and you'll find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. What a sad reality today that the Lord has put it before us and said for us just to stand and see and ask for something and walk in it, and he'll give us rest. But there's so many that say, no, we don't, we don't want to walk in that way. Hear me now. You see, there's a, a story in the Word of God in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And I don't have time to read the whole thing, so let me just tell you briefly a little bit about it. 
It's the story of, of King David. See, King David was concerned that the ark of God was not in the land of Israel. And he said, we didn't even inquire about it in the days of Saul, which was the days of the flesh. And so he, st- he went to the people and he consulted with, with his leaders and they, he said, let's go and fetch this ark. And so they went, you know the story, he stood there waiting. The Lord said, when you hear the sound of the goings in the mulberry trees, he said, then you'll know I've gone out before you. The Bible shows that they were able to go in and recover that ark. And so after they had recovered the ark of God, we see that the next thing was that it rested at the house of Abinadab. There in the house of Abinadab, it was there, some estimates was for years. It was there for a while and so much so that his sons grew up around it and were so familiar with it. And one day David said, let's go get it. And so they went to get it and What they did was really, I believe, revelation today. And there's three things that I want to talk about with this dirt road. That this dirt road revival is a place of revelation. This dirt road revival is a place of transformation. And this dirt road revival is a place of restoration. If you need all three of those, shout amen. See, King David, Brother Russ, he wanted the ark of God back home. He said, we've got to bring it home to us. And as they set out to go get the ark, they went and they made a new cart. And they put the ark on this new cart. As they were moving this cart with the ark of God on it and Uzzah was close to it being pulled by an ox. Stay with me now, we're going somewhere. As they they were pulling this cart, the oxen stumbled as they come to Nashon's threshing floor. And the ox stumbled and the ark shook. And Uzzah reached up his hand to steady it because he didn't want it to fall. And immediately Uzzah was struck dead. There's a lot of things we can learn from there. We can't slow down to preach on all of it. But how many of you know that the church has tried for far too long to use the right hand of the flesh to steady this thing? Listen to me, programs aren't going to do it. Ministries are not going to make it happen. Do you hear me? I'm talking about organization and administration is not enough. David was grieved over Uzzah dying. Listen now. He was grieved over Uzzah dying. And so they took the ark and they brought it aside into the house of Obed-Edom. And it was there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. For three months, Obed-Edom's home was blessed. For three months, everything he had was blessed. I believe his milk cows gave the best milk they'd ever given. Ooh, I, I, I don't know all the details, but I can imagine his grass was the greenest in the neighborhood. Ooh, I, I imagine Obed-Edom, I don't know if he had a full head of hair or no hair at all, but I imagine whatever it was, man, it had he had a full beard and just, I mean, their skin was just being bled. Man, every, their health was blessed. Their home was blessed. Everything they had was being blessed because the ark of God was there. But one day somebody went to David and said, hey, that ark of God, everything of Obed-Edom's is being blessed. And so David all of a sudden had revelation. You see, Fausti, David had three months to try to figure out what went wrong. 
David had three months to pray and to seek the Lord and to try to figure out what did we do wrong that death has invaded? What did we do wrong that somebody has died in this process? Oh, that we would recognize today that God is looking for a people that will say we're not going to be religious. We're not going to do it like the world does it. We're going to do it like God does, wants us to do it. And we're going to experience his life and his power. Why did they do a new cart, Pastor? Back up the first Samuel chapter 6. He took his cues from the Philistines. The Philistines had brought the ark back. They made a new cart and brought the ark back on this new cart. And on this new cart, there we see they brought it back with all kinds of gifts and stuff. I won't get into all of them. But they brought it back in that way. And somehow or another, David thought, we'll make a new cart. Listen to me. Hear me now. If you think today that we can do like the world does and God be pleased with us, you you, you got another thing coming. See, I, I'm not just calling me old-fashioned, but I'm just one that believes that when somebody gets truly saved, born again by the blood of Jesus, things begin to change in your life. And the problem in the church today is that pastors have started trying to do like the world does to get people to come. They try to, all the gimmicks and all the things the world is doing. See, the, the Philistines called, the kings called on the priest and the diviners and got their counsel from them. Not the priest of the Lord, Brother Shea, but the priest of Baal and the diviners. That was the, the sorcerers, the psychics, and the fortune tellers. God help me right now because I'm on shift gears. See, Somewhere David had a revelation that, man, we, we're not where we need to be. We're doing this wrong. We're making some mistakes. See, whenever you have this revival in your life, this dirt road revival, this old path that God has said for us to walk on, there's a revelation of who Jesus is. See, that's what we need again in the church is a revelation of who Jesus is. Listen, that kind of revelation, if you're not saved, it'll draw you to a place of surrender. If you are saved, it'll draw you to a place that you want more of God in your heart and in your life. Listen, there's a lot of folks that sit on the church pew or the church chair that are deader than people out in the cemetery, spiritually speaking. There's a lot of folks today that are living defeated lives. They're living in depression, living in discouragement. What's the problem, Pastor? Can I tell you what it is? We've lost sight of who Jesus is. We've lost sight of our King and our Lord and our Savior. God help us that we're not here just to have a little little ministry experience. God didn't call us here to be a another church. He called us here to turn a town upside down for the glory of God. And it's not going to happen by just cross point, cross point. It's going to be by us lifting up the mighty name of Jesus. You can amen me if you want to, but I'm going to tell you we need to remember. We need a revelation today that we can remember who Jesus is. There, where's, my, where's my breakthrough? Life recovery, folks. Because there are people out there that are strung out on drugs and strung out on alcohol and living a life of bondage, demonically bound. Can I tell you today, religion isn't going to change them. Religion isn't going to transform them. Religion 
religion isn't going to restore the sanity of their mind. What they need is not a membership card. What they need is to walk into a place that there's a group of folks that have had a revelation of who Jesus is. They've had a revelation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, give us a revelation again of who you are. See, the problem is we get so busy having church, we lose sight of why we're even here. We get so caught up in is the sound right? And is the video right? And is the lights right? And is the song selection right? And are the parts right? And are the words right? And is the lobby right? And is are the chairs right? And are the back rooms right? I almost, almost came in here today and didn't set up the first chair, didn't turn on any lights, didn't do none of it. Because I'm going to tell you, you can strip every bit of it down. And if we gather in here as a people... As long as we've got a revelation of who God is, he's going to show up in this place. And he's who we need. I said he is who we need. Need to stop and look around. Stop long enough to receive this revelation. That's what that New Living Translation version said. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Why don't we do that for just a second? Help me, Holy Ghost. Why don't you look around, look at your life. Look at the condition of the world around us. Look at the condition of our communities. Look at the condition of those around us, family, friends, co-workers. And for all you young people, classmates, listen teenagers, I want to make something very clear. You are not exempt from this message. This is not for just adults. Reality is this, and listen to me. If, you're at, if you've come to the age of accountability, you better know something. That if you died today and you're hard and right with Jesus, you're not going to go to heaven. You're going to split hell wide open. Pastor, are you trying to scare me? It's not my intent. But if it takes scaring you for a moment that you'll start looking at your soul, I can tell you you'd do mom and daddy a big favor if you'd get your heart right because then they wouldn't have to put that paddle on that rear end near as much. I like how you're looking at me now. See, what we need is some teenagers that'll get a revelation of Jesus because he'll transform your life. Are you hearing me? We need some teenagers that'll get a revelation. Look at your own condition. Look at the condition of, of those that are around you. Look at the condition of the church. Look at our own condition. Look at the condition of your youth group. Look at the condition I'm talking about in general. I thank God for what he's doing in our church. I thank God for what he's doing in the youth. But let me tell you something today. Pastor, you're never satisfied you're never happy. Listen, I stood in here yesterday praying over this place, and I said, God, I think we could double the amount of chairs in here. There's room enough to put 400 folks in here. I'm not wanting 400 folks off of the church split of first of whatever. I'm after a Holy Ghost revival of folks that have got a revelation that if Jesus changed me, he'll change you too. If he did it in me, he'll do it in your life. We need a revelation of who Jesus is again. People are 
busy, bothered, and bound, but God wants you blessed. See, a God-birth revelation shows us our condition, and a God-birth revelation brings Holy Ghost conviction. A God-birth revelation moves us to consecration. I don't have time to preach on all of those, but let me just say it this way, that when you see Jesus high and lifted up, something happens in you. Like the prophet Isaiah in chapter 6 of the book of Isaiah, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and he all of a sudden realized, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and there's a people of unclean lips. Something happened, Brother Steve, when he saw Jesus high and lifted up. That's what we've got to do. Let our motive never be to lift ourselves up. Let our motive never be to lift cross point up. Let our motive always be to lift up the name of Jesus in this place and in this ministry. God help us. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, would draw all men unto me. We need a revelation again of Jesus. Pastor, why am I living defeated? Because you've lost sight of who Jesus is. Why am I down all the time? You've lost sight of who who Jesus is. Why am I depressed? You've lost sight of who Jesus is. Didn't he say he'd never leave you and never forsake you? Didn't he say it? That's why we need to remember that our Jesus is the sin cleanser, the transgression forgiver, the pain healer, the brokenness mender, the problem solver, the sickness curer, the relationship restorer, the need provider, the bondage deliverer, the peace speaker, the storm calmer, the jail door opener, the lion tamer, the water walker, the Holy Ghost baptizer. We need a revelation that our Jesus is alive and well and desires to move in us. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. He's everything we need when we need it. Revelation of him changes everything. Matthew 16, I got to move on, but Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? They gave him explanations. Then he asked Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded back to him, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my father which is in heaven. It was a revelation that brought such transformation because it was in that moment Jesus declared upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Woo, hallelujah. And he said, I'll give unto you the keys of the kingdom and what you loose, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can I tell you something today? The reason I know God brought us here, it wasn't to lift up the name of Michael and Amy Tadlock. It wasn't to lift up a name of a church because there's plenty of churches that are doing that. It was just to lift up the name of Jesus. I don't mind being in the background and Jesus out in the forefront. I just want Jesus to be lifted up. God, give us a revelation of Jesus in our lives again. Glory. When you see him for who he is, you want to praise him and you want to worship him. Revelation. On this dirt road revival, revelation brings transformation. How many of you have been transformed by the power of God? Come on. Anybody in here been transformed by the power of God? Ah, come on. 
Anybody knows what it is to experience transformation? Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but what? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. I want to know, is there anybody that's been transformed up in here? Come on. Anybody in here that say, I'm not who I used to be. I I may not be what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I I said I may not be what I'm going to be. But thank God I'm not what I was. I've been transformed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor, tell him you need revival. Somebody say this if you're dead, say you're dead. Come on. Confession's good for the soul. I'm talking about a transformation. You change. See, I believe if you've not experienced true change, you're not truly saved. But preacher, I prayed the prayer. I don't care what you prayed. If you hadn't experienced transformation from the time you accepted Christ, friend, you need to go back and do it again. Because there is something called conversion. That means your soul is converted from sin unto serving Jesus. There's a transformation that takes place. Some people don't like that, but I'm telling you it's the truth. That's why this whole come down, shake the preacher's hand, fill out a little card, bless God, you're on your way to heaven stuff, has had a lot of folks end up in hell. When the reality is this, if you get genuinely saved and born again by the blood of Jesus, you get up a changed person. You get up different. You may have knelt down a sinner, but you got up a saint. Is anybody listening to me? That means you walk different, you talk different, you live different, you act different, you go different places now. You just... May still be dancing, but you changed partners. Now you're dancing in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You might still get drunk, but now it's on the new wine because you've been trimmed. It. I've been changed. Hallelujah. This dirt road revival, this old path we need to be on. right here. A lot of folks don't want it. We want the greasy grace. The easy living. That's why a lot of churches have become seeker friendly. Preacher, you don't need to preach like this. You're going to run folks off. It's not my intention. But if this kind of preaching ain't your thing, then we'll help you find another church. I ain't gotten real hard yet. I remember a time that people wanted to go to church. I remember a time... People wanted to work in the church. I remember a time that it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer, prayer on a Tuesday night. It'd be three or four days a week you were doing church. I remember it. 
See, COVID has taken the life out of a lot of folks. And I want to come against that right now in the name of Jesus. Because there's some folks that still won't go to church because they're concerned about getting COVID. I just want you to be free from that in the name of, they won't come to church, but man, they'll stay in Walmart for hours, or they'll go to Lowe's, or they'll go to the ball game. How many of you know that don't make any sense at all? And I'm not preaching to you. This is those that, are, that, that maybe tune in on live stream sometime. I know y'all are here. but so Listen, we've got to break free from that mess. You hear me? I still don't understand folks wearing the mask like they do by themselves, driving down the road in the car, and they got a mask on. Walking down the sidewalk wearing a mask. Like, what in the world? What are you? But it's, it's the bondage that has been brought into this world, and it was meant to cripple the church more than anything else. But what we need is to stand up and be transformed by the power of God. Whatever has held you back, it's time you break free from it. Whatever's got in your mind or in your spirit that has got you troubled, you need to lay it on the altar and ask the Lord to renew you in the spirit of your mind because we need a dirt road revival that will bring revelation and transformation to our lives. Let me just serve you some notice. Can I do that? I know we're missing a pile of our folks. It's, it's a holiday weekend. That's, that's understandable. I'm not telling anybody that's not here. This message isn't like that. But I'm going to tell you something. We do things a little different around here. That's true. But everything we do, we try to do first and foremost as the Lord orders it and as Scripture backs it up. I'm going to tell you what we're not going to be. We ain't going to be a bunch of religious folks. Did you hear me? We're not going to be a bunch of religious folks. I'm talking about from the pulpit to where you're sitting. We ain't going to be religious. I'm, I'm committing to you. I, I don't. I, these messages don't come from, from sermons.com, if there is such a website. These, these, I, I get on my face. I seek God. I cry. I, I'm, not, I'm not religious. I, I try to every day be relational. I, I need something fresh. I've got to have revival in my own life. And there's times, can I just be honest, that I have to deal with some situations and circumstances as a pastor that the flesh says, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I'm, I'm tired of having to do this kind of thing. But the Holy Ghost always comes along and gives me strength and renews me in the spirit of my mind and helps me endure and gives me the patience that I need in my family that we need to make it through things. But can I tell you that some of you, you listen, all of you, you've got to do the exact same thing because we're not here for us. We're not doing this because it's just it's about us. That's been from the start. This ain't about us. This is all about Jesus. Can I say that? I said, this is all about Jesus. Well, I'd stand up and worship if they'd sing my song. You know what that is? That is that same religious spirit that's been in the church for years that people would argue because they didn't like the carpet color or they'd argue because we sing out of the red book or we don't sing out of the red book. You know what? That is a religious spirit. That religious spirit where they eat the preacher for lunch, if you know what I'm talking about. That religious spirit where this one's mad at this one and that one's mad at that one and they don't talk to each other. 
that is a religious spirit that we are not going to allow in this body. And I want to make it very clear today that if that is in your heart, if there is a spirit of division or schism in your life, you need to make it right. Go to whoever it's with, get to the altar and pray over it. If it's with me, then you need to schedule an appointment and let's sit down together because I don't want it to be something that will hinder you from serving God. But what we will not do, what is not an option, is to allow a spirit of offense to get in your heart and in your mind to the place and it hinders you and all of a sudden it spills over unto somebody else and before you know it, you got a mess on your hands. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we're not here for us. Bless God. We don't set up in a gym and do all we do to be religious. I'm through with that mess. We're here for revival. We're here for a move of God. We're here for transformation of hearts and lives. The preacher, the greeters didn't say one word to me when I walked in. Well, did you say anything? Now, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll talk to them if, if that happened. But did you say anything when you came in or did you look like you was mad at the world? Sick and tired of that kind of mess. Transformation. Transformation. I've been changed. Not who I was. I'm not who I was. I've been changed. Oh, look at you on the front row taking notes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I've been changed. I've been transformed. I'm different. I'm not the same person that I used to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not the same person that I used to be. I've been changed. I've been transformed. Are you hearing me? My life is different. One day I had an experience on the old path that I climbed on to and right there in the middle of nowhere, the Holy Ghost showed up in my life and it changed my stinking thinking to the place that all I know is I want more of God in my life. I need a move of God in my soul. Give me the word. I need some word. Give me the prayer night. I want to pray. I want to seek God. I've been changed from who I used to be. Some of it used to joke for hours. Can't get you to come pray. Don't ask you to come to the altar. Well, you know, there's so much COVID germs up there. I just don't feel, I don't feel led to go down to the altar to pray because I don't want to get the sniffles. I remember when I first learned about what going to the altar was about. I first learned about going to the altar. It was, man, I've got to have a move of God in my soul. I need somebody to lay hands on me and pray for me. I just got to bear my soul to the Lord. I don't care if anybody else goes or not. No, I have got to get in the altar and pray. But nowadays, we got to beg people to come to the altar. Listen to me. We need to recognize that the altar is a place of transformation. It's where we can unload our burdens and upload all that God has for us and all God wants to do in us. Listen to me. I'm talking about the kind of revival in your life that everybody around you starts saying who are you and what did you do with inject your name understand today that God wants to work in you listen if you're living in a place in your life that you're dry and you're stale and you're empty and you're lukewarm it's not God's fault 
Well, it's the preacher's fault then. You know what that is? That ain't nothing but the spirit of the devil. Convincing folks of that. It's everybody else's fault. Come on. See this dirt road revival. And it's a place of restoration. See, the Lord wants to change us from doubt and fear to faith, from heaviness and grief and sorrow to something, to praise, from weakness to strength. This dirt road revival, I don't know any other way to tell you, but I I think about those in my life of years gone by some folks that didn't have anything, but they had everything. I know you won't know the men I'm talking about, but men, men and women, and I'm hurrying. Been preaching a while, ain't I? Monroe and Ethel Lewis. I mean, they were old. Almost older than... Well, they were old. Old Brother Monroe, he was missing a finger on this hand, I think. And he'd raise that hand up. And he'd get happy in God. You could barely understand him. He'd just, I mean, just squall and cry. You try to sit down and talk to him and Sister Ethel, and he could never get her word in edgewise. She was always finishing his sentences. You know, he, he learned to just sat there, and he held those three fingers that he had on that hand. He let her tell the stories. That man knew how to pray. He was an old timer, Sister Megan. But he knew how to pray. See, he had he had found that revelation of Jesus and he had been transformed. He knew how to pray. You'd find him in the altar praying. He'd be calling out. He wasn't a preacher, but he'd be calling out on God to move in the church. One day he came to church with his stomach all swollen. He hadn't been wearing suspenders up to that point. He came to the church, had his stomach all swollen, came up and asked for my father-in-law to pray for him. Sister Amy was sitting on the front row, and there was an instant healing of his body. The swelling of his stomach went boop, and all of a sudden his drawers went boop, right at the altar. There was them boxers. He quickly grabbed them, and from that point forward, he had the revelation and the transformation. He needed suspenders. But he knew how to pray. Sister Ethel played the piano, and man, she'd bang those keys. She played, her fingers got all crooked. She was all that little church had of nine people. And she played, and they'd sing. Little sanctuary that barely seat 120 folks. Her brother's name was Leon. Leon Parrish. Brother Parrish is one of the most humble men you'd ever meet. He had false teeth and occasionally he'd get so excited they'd want to get away from him. But he knew how to pray. Him and his little wife, she 
been sick for years. She had to actually have a colostomy bag. She was so timid. But they were faithful and they were there and they knew how to pray. All Brother Paris would get down there and he wasn't a preacher. And man, he'd get worked up praying and calling out unto God. and Prayers of just a few families. One Sunday they had a fill-in preacher. Him and his family walked in there. Him and his wife, his son, his daughter and their son. Thirteen people there on that Sunday. But here were some folks on a dirt road in Holmes County that said, we want a move of God. The preacher was just filling in. He wasn't trying out. This was my father-in-law. He wasn't trying out. He was just there filling in. But all of a sudden, Holy Ghost fell in the service before they knew what had happened that Sunday night. One of the men in the church stood up and said, I think we need to vote on them to be our pastors. My mother-in-law about fell in the floor. My wife and brother-in-law were just shocked. I don't know if they voted that night or not. Did they vote that night? My father-in-law came back the next day and just walked around that church and prayed. God spoke to him. That was like in 1987. And all of a sudden, nine people climbed on that dirt road of the old path, holy and godly living, that dirt road of prayer and in the Word, that dirt road of we're just going to worship and love each other, that dirt road of it's not about us, it's about Jesus. There were some obstacles to overcome. I remember one Sunday night, I, I, I would leave church from where I was at, and I'm hurrying now. And I'd leave from Chipley first, Sister Jody, where we went to church at. I'd play the drums. I'd climb in my truck, and I would fly to this church. Talk about dirt roads, Mama. Wish I could tell you I did the speed limit. But I'd slide in there, and most of the times he'd just be started preaching, and I'd stay in there. Just a year or so later, God would call me to be the youth pastor of that church. But I remember a little blow-up that they had because preacher wanted to put a telephone in the church office. And some of them said, absolutely not. We don't need a telephone. It was really a bigger indication of spiritual problems that were there. This, at this point, the church had grown probably by 75 to 80 people at least. And on this Sunday night, my father-in-law told the family, and I was there with them, y'all be ready to exit the side door. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I am. So he goes in. And he resigns, basically telling them there are some that are fighting against what God has called us to do, and we're not going to serve in this way. So he resigns. We exit the side door. I ended up sleeping on their couch that night. We were all just traumatized. But about the time the sun came up, My father-in-law says, there's somebody in the driveway. 
Sitting out in that driveway was this little white four-door sedan with an older preacher by the name of Pee Wee Griffin. Pee Wee and Sister Alma sat out there. And they came in. And we found out later that it blew up at the church after we left. That some folks stood up and said, we ain't going to have this. We ain't gonna, matter of fact, one stood up and said, Kathy, were you there at this time? Not there yet. One stood up at, this, at that moment and said, ain't nobody going to run my preacher off. It was a turning point in that congregation. Brother Pee Wee and Sister Alma came to beg pastor to consider staying. Brought a pot of coffee with them. It was folks that said, we don't want religion. It's folks that said, we don't, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. And that little church could have went one of two ways. It could have stayed where it was at, or it could have exploded for the glory of God. That was roughly around 1991, four years after they had gotten there. And there in 1991, might have been 92, but I think I'm right. Things changed. All of a sudden, the church became in unity. All of a sudden, the church realized it's not about us. God wants to do some powerful things here. God wants to do some incredible things here. God wants to do this dirt road revival to be a place of revelation and transformation and restoration. And can I tell you, we watched that ministry grow from the 65, 75 or so that were there at that time. In just a few short years, we had outgrown the facility that we were in as, as person after person after person came and was getting saved, including the DePlessis family, and Sister Kathy's husband that's went on to be with the Lord, Brother Tony, was one raised Catholic. I mean, a, a full-blooded Cajun. Oh, he made the best gumbo. But can I tell you this? That man, one day, I remember visiting him, visiting their children. When their family showed up, I had a great crowd for youth service. There was piles of kids, but I can remember visiting them and Tony being there drinking his beer and blowing the smoke and all of this. But God had his number and one day he came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and surrendered his life to the Lord and he is just one and he's in heaven today and he's just one of many because we watched it grow from that 75 I remember standing in that sanctuary at that pulpit on a Sunday morning and thanking God for 250 in Sunday school that didn't just happen church that was because there was a dirt road revival where people got saved and born again by the blood of Jesus. People got a revelation of Jesus and were transformed by the power of God and were restored. See, God wants to do the miraculous right here. But it's up to us individually to be on this old path. To experience this dirt road revival for ourselves because he said, you'll find rest for your souls. We talk about revival. Isn't that what we're talking about? We're talking about victory, strength, renewal, joy, peace. 
It'll ultimately arrest on the inside of us from the struggle that is always there. That's what a revival is, a, a yearning, a longing, a, a, a burning in your soul for more of God. When you drive 49 miles one way, it ain't to be in a dead church. When you drive 100 and 120 miles one way, I want you to stand with me if you would. Probably should have made this a two-parter. But I believe today the Holy Spirit is calling out unto us as a congregation. To ask for this old path, this dirt road. And walk in it. What you've experienced the last two days in your life has not been religion. It's been the power of God. Jackson, what has changed your life has not been religion. It's been the power of God. Shay, it's been the power of God. You're a changed man. Ain't he, Julie? I almost want to make you a poster child. (laughs) There's a longing in my soul for a move of God like we've never seen. I'm not talking about good church, because that comes and goes. I'm talking about a move of God that is transformational. Brings such revelation and restoration. I'm talking about a move of God that you never know at any given moment what's going. We may be on our face crying out to God. We might be shouting in the corners and all around the three-point line. Somebody might be getting saved over here, healed over here, filled with the Holy Ghost over here, delivered over here. I'm talking about a move of God. I do not want church as usual. I I wish that I had a Holy Ghost spoon in my heart, in my hand, and, and I could come up to you 
and just physically just stir you up a little bit on the inside. And we'll just, just stir you just a little bit where, man, something starts shifting in there where you start saying, I want more of God. I want more of God. Well, I want more of God. I want more of God. I need God to move. I need God to, I need revival. I need revival. so bad I so bad want to see souls saved lives changed I want revival said he'd bring restoration let's rest he'll restore what's been stolen and you'll rest definition of that word rest is quiet, settled Jesus said cast your burden on me and I'll sustain you he said come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden I'll give you rest he's got a rest for us today But if we're going to experience revival, if we're going to experience Joel chapter 2 verse 28, we got to first experience Joel chapter 2 verse 12. Therefore also now, turn unto the Lord with all your heart, with weeping and with fasting and with mourning. Verse 13, and rend your heart and not your garments. Today, I just want to know, are are there any folks here? And I've asked the Lord this morning. I almost prayed a number larger, but I said, if I can just get 10 people, 10 people that will grab a hold of this today and say, I want a dirt road revival in my life. 10 people that will grab a hold of this and say, I want a move of God in my home, in my family, but in my church. 10 people. If I can just get 10 If I can just get 10 people that say, I need revelation, I need transformation, I need restoration, just 10. I believe we can see God do the miraculous. We can experience revival. It's really about your choice today. Hold it just a second. There's an older song that says that what the Lord's looking for is is you. Just you to worship Him. We ain't got to have musicians and singers. Just you. Just you to humble yourself to the place that you say, I need a move of God. And yes, that goes for you teenagers. That goes for all of us in this place. I need a move of God. The song says, You don't need majestic choirs With awesome voices raised You don't need a congregation To offer me your praise You don't need a mighty orchestra 
to bless me with your song. Because you get all of my attention when you worship me alone. Because I love to hear you when you sing your song. And you worship me alone. So today, why it may be a corporate and collaborate response, this is individual. This is you. Where are you at? Do you need revival? Do you need revelation, transformation, and restoration? Do you need him today? Are you willing to call out on him today? As Brother Tim begins to pray, play. I want us this morning, this afternoon. I really wanted to try to preach this in 30 minutes. Man, I, I failed at that. But I'm just asking for some that have fall on their face before God and call out to Him. Lord, send revival. Send revival to my life. Those that are stand at the crossroads and look and see See your condition, see your family's condition, see your home's condition, see your school's condition, see your church's condition. That a stand and ask for the old path, a dirt road revival in your life. To cry out unto God. Thank you, Lord, for these many that have came. Mighty God, would you send revival to us today? Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Crosspoint can now be your home church from wherever you are through the weekly live stream on Facebook and YouTube and this podcast. For more information on Crosspoint, be sure to check out crosspointpdl.org. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next week.